History is Alive, Chapter 1, Part 4, Vinnie. Across the road from Mr. Hemming's office, Vinnie Goff slumped on his stool, staring at, but not seeing, the easel before him. His huge frame weighed heavily on the small, portable tripod beneath his bottom. His muscular long arms nearly touched the floor as they dangled disconsolately between his legs. His huge, callous hands unconsciously plucked the fibres from the end of a paintbrush, flicking them gently into the cold November wind as they came loose. And the look on his substantial ginger brow, a brow that stood on quite an attractive face, was quizzical, actually. The occasional passerby would glance at this huge brute of a man, sitting before a large, empty canvas with a puzzled expression on his face, and frown in reciprocal confusion. The frown would deepen when they glanced at the handmade signs surrounding this gargantuan ginger artist. Little pieces of brown cardboard proclaimed, if indeed they could be seen in the dark. Face painting, two pounds. Henna tattoos, three pounds. Caricatures, five pounds. All services performed while you wait. And on a slightly more muted sign, original artwork also available for sale. Please ask. It wasn't just the incongruity of this obelisk of a man with colossal hands offering such delicate artistic services that puzzled passing pedestrians. It wasn't the profusion of exclamation marks that seemed entirely at odds with a man inherently unexclamatory. It wasn't the fact that he was sitting in the near dark in a biting autumnal chill. It was the positioning of his chair and of his easel, indeed of his entire commercial endeavour. As each passerby knew, the key to any successful business was and is location, location, location. Face painting, henna tattoos and caricatures would generally appeal to tourists or children or drunks or imbeciles. Such people would commonly be found in a market square or a shopping mall, and yet Vinnie had chosen to seat himself on a street full of offices, of workplaces, of administrative hubs. Vinnie was surrounded by buildings populated entirely by serious business people, shrewd commercial operators, professional types. The tall, muscular, ginger painter with the perplexed face had positioned his easel on the busiest commercial street in town. Passers-by frowned at the incongruity and the stupidity of it as they walked past. Commercial Street, the clue, they thought, was in the name. It was conceivable, perhaps, that a stockbroker, elated from having made a killing against the yen in the AM, might just celebrate that success by having tiger stripes painted on his or her face during their lunch hour. It was possible, perhaps, that a young receptionist, disillusioned by his or her job, might just ask Vinny to inscribe some offensive henna tattoo on his or her forearm in the knowledge that such decorative rebellion could be safely hidden away under a sleeve whilst dealing with customers. It was even imaginable that a group of hard-working lawyers on the way back to the office after a Friday afternoon liquid lunch might, in a fit of high jinks, have a whip round in order to get a caricature of their big-nosed colleague. But as business plans go... Vinny had positioned himself next to the bus stop. This would guarantee some footfall, at least, some of whom might even be interested in his original artwork. But the cynic might suggest that those who are obliged to use public transport 
do not generally have the means or the inclination to purchase works of fine art whilst waiting for the number 88 bus. But the ginger-haired painter didn't notice the frowns or the stares or the occasional titter, or even the occasional admiring glance at his strong arms and rugged good looks. He just waited, with a perplexed look on his face, seeing something beyond his easel. For, to suppose, from an economic standpoint, that Vinnie had chosen the wrong spot, would be to suppose that Vinnie was interested in finding the right spot, that he was interested in success, that he was interested in sales, that he was interested in money. He wasn't. He wasn't even that interested in art. Not art of this kind, anyway. He had no desire to paint caricatures of administrative assistants with big teeth, or to copy a Celtic symbol onto an underwriter's forearm in temporary ink. No, this fledgling, doomed-to-failure business was simply a cover. Vinnie had seated himself on Commercial Street for one reason only. He was in love. As the Thursday evening gloom firmly established itself on Commercial Street, Vinnie took a last sip from his thermos flask. The coffee within had long since lost its heat and flavour, but he drank it anyway and waited. The cold November air easily pierced the spacious holes in his knitted jumper. But he ignored it. Any moment, she would be here. His great love, his sweetheart, the desire of his heart. Or, to put it another way, the physical embodiment of the disease within his own soul. The prostitute. Vinnie waited, paintbrush and fresh empty canvas before him. Vinnie yearned for this moment each day. He counted down the minutes. Perhaps today would be the day when he would paint something truly worthy of her. Yes, there she was. The prostitute. She had taken up her usual place near the mouth of the alleyway. She waved at the bus as it passed her, perhaps at a client who was probably turning red at that very moment. The prostitute jiggled her bosom at a passing car. Even from a distance, she looked magnificently soiled, beautifully grubby, attractively tainted. Vinnie dabbed his paintbrush. I've come for my flowers. A voice, abrupt and unfriendly, interrupted his reverie. A form, thin and jagged, blocked his view of the road and of the prostitute. Vinnie was confused for a moment, lost as he was in thoughts of the prostitute. But as he refocused his eyes on this obstruction, the look on the lady's face reminded him. Yes, she had browsed through his paintings earlier in the day, bouncing the canvases around with enough force to attract the ire and wounded pride of any ordinary artist. Vinny hadn't cared. You obviously think a lot of yourself, she had said in a thin nasal voice as she disapproved of his collection of self-portraits. It's a shame your customers don't. The insult was accurate. Vinny had dozens of similar portraits at home. The majority were in rough piles, although some served specific purposes such as holding doors open or propping up things. The abusive lady was right. They were virtually unsellable. What are these supposed to be? She had demanded earlier in the day as she flapped a large canvas about in the wind. A field of poppies. I thought they were tomatoes. They are not. 
Hmm, said the nasal woman with the pointy nose, unconvinced. They look like tomatoes. Are you on benefits? The unusual question took Vinny rather by surprise and he blinked. You have the look of someone who might be dependent on the state. Vinny was searching for a response while she took in his dirty boots and his ill-fitting tatty clothes. Do you declare the earnings you make from sales? Vinny wasn't sure what to say. Sales? Earnings? The lady took his silence for mental simplicity and leaned close towards him. I deal with your types all day long. People who claim benefits but still work, cash in hand, building conservatories or being security guards. People who claim disability benefit and then enter trampolining competitions. These people, she said with absolute believable vitriol, make me sick. Vinny found himself leaning back on his stool as this lady, half his size and ten times his intensity, invaded his personal space. Well, she demanded. I do not claim benefits, he said. She seemed barely satisfied and dipped into her purse for a five pound note in which case I'll take the picture of the tomatoes and I will give you ten pounds for it five of those pounds I will give you now at the end of the day I will return to give you five more pounds you can look after the painting until I return as I do not have the space for it near my desk nor do I want the people I work with liberal hippies a lot of them to think I like art or anything of that sort is that understood Vinnie understood full well that the painting was actually priced at £20, but he didn't want to antagonise the woman further. She might have hit him with his ham- with her handbag. She had that look about her, so he accepted the fate accompli. And there she was, as promised, blocking out all sight of the prostitute and holding out another £5 note as Vinny handed over the picture of the poppies. As Vinny reached for the money, she snatched it back. Are you foreign? she said with malice in her eyes. Vinny just shook his head. She frowned suspiciously, handed over the money, tucked the picture under her arm and strode purposefully away. Vinny watched her go, her small determined legs carrying her off into the distance. One day, he thought, I would like to paint her. There might be something of God in her. Wrath, maybe.